Welcome to Tessa Watches Lost, the podcast within a podcast that is now a spin-off podcast where I ask Tessa questions about the episodes of Lost that we watched this week. I'm your host, Sam, and with me is Tessa. I've been waiting to say this for weeks, if not years. The penny to my Desmond. I feel like I just want to start singing Love Story by Taylor Swift now. This week, we are talking about the final episodes of season two, question mark. Three minutes, and live together, die alone. Walt is back. Walt is gone. Desmond is back. Jack, Kate, and Sawyer are gone because they've been captured. And something does happen when you don't enter the numbers and push the button. But let's back up. Locke and Mr. Echo find another station, the Pearl. You know, I hate to say this, Tessa, but you might have been right about the Dharma Initiative. Oh, of course I was right. Of course, when they said B.F. Skinner, it was going to be like an applied psychology experiment. I mean, that's what this is. The Pearl is a station to watch the... what? What's the station they're, they're in? The Swan. Swan? The Pearl is a station that's literally set up to watch the inhabitants of the Swan Station and report on their behavior via pneumatic tubes. So yeah, like they set up an experiment where they had to push a button over and over and over again, and they set up watchers to see if they actually would push the button. I mean, this seems very obvious to me. Gee, I hope those pneumatic tubes go somewhere important. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, okay, we'll come back to those. Locke does not take this newfound knowledge well, because, as you've also pointed out, this detracts from his desire to be the main character. Yeah, Locke has somewhat of a crisis of confidence or crisis of narrative, I guess, in these episodes. He becomes convinced that it was all a joke. And of course, he takes that personally because his entire life he has tried to do something meaningful or something that would make him the main character or the hero to find some sort of purpose. And now he feels dejected because he learns that the thing he thought was finally going to give him that purpose is a lie. I think he feels like the Dharma Initiative or whatever is laughing at him. Yeah, so we definitely see Locke lose a lot of that confidence that we saw him get at the beginning of this season. He does find like that map and he's trying to figure out what the map means, but we also see him just like completely lose it, lock himself in the the thing and wait for the button to count down. On the other hand, Mr. Echo interprets this as a sign and becomes the primary button pusher, abandoning his church-building plan and Charlie. Womp womp, sad trombone. Everyone abandons Charlie. But yeah, Mr. Echo becomes convinced that the dreams that he's been having and that Charlie's been having are somehow divine interventions or something to do with faith, and so he decides that the button is the thing that he needs to be pressing in order to... Uh, well, he decides that the button is important and that they have to keep pressing it and that they are not supposed to ask what it does, that it's just, it's an act of faith to keep pressing the button. So this puts him in direct conflict with Locke, of course, especially in that final episode where Locke <laughs> literally locks him out of the, <laughs> of the chamber where the button is and waits for it to count down. Because I'll never love again, the way I loved this show the first time, I see that This episode, for the most part, is what it is, which is vamping to get to the end of the season. It's moving pieces. Yeah. 
So once we dispatch with that storyline, we can now start the mainline plot. We get, as a flashback, Michael's time in captivity. Walt is apparently too much for the others to handle. So they offer Michael the opportunity to trade his and his son's freedom for Jack, Kate, Sawyer, and Hurley. He's obviously going to take that deal. And he doesn't mind murdering people to make it happen. Yeah, on the one hand, this is... They try really hard to convince us that Michael is... That this is the end of Michael's arc as someone who desperately wants to be a parent, who feels like he's failed his kid by allowing Walt's mom to take primary custody of him before the events of the show. Now he gets a chance to save his son, and he's going to do it no matter what the consequences are, including killing Anna Lucia. I almost called her Letty. Anna Lucia and, and Libby. I don't think that justified. This did not make me like Michael anymore. Like, even getting this background information, it just seemed like he, he wanted to be with Walt more than anything else and that he wasn't willing to think of any other options. He was just willing to kill to get there. It made me, I don't know. I love Harold Perrineau. I think that he's a great actor. This seemed like a bit of character assassination to me in some ways. He's also not very good at it. Like Saeed immediately knows that something is up. Like he's just not very good at manipulating the people around him. Like he just keeps saying like, it needs to be you. It needs to be only you. Only these people need to go. We can take them. And it just, it, and anyone with half a brain should be able to see through this. We talked about this back when Ana Lucia and Libby were shot. They had to get Michelle Rodriguez and Cynthia Watros off the island. So they killed off their characters. I'm trying to remember exactly dates on this, but in a couple of weeks from now, you're going to hear us talk about another franchise, uh, a film franchise that involves plot being done based on actor availability. This is one of my big pop culture pet peeves is plot done because of production issues. And so, like, you know, I, I've been very careful. I don't spoil you, you know, on something that happens in the future. But we found out pretty quickly that Malcolm David Kelly had a growth spurt and needed to, and it wasn't believable. And so rather than recasting him, relying on our epic suspension of disbelief for the whole show to begin with, they just decided that he needed to be written out so Harold, Pe Harold Perrineau needed to be written out. And so like all four of these characters, this plot is nothing. And it's so angering. Probably the only good thing that happens is the idea that Saeed finally has something to do. Because obviously he sees through this, right? I'm just kind of shocked that Jack didn't see through this, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like... It should not have taken Jack this long to figure it out. And it should not have taken Saeed to tell him, look, Michael's been compromised. Like something is going on. This is a trap. So yeah, we get that particular thing. I think with the whole, I really disliked this. I really did. Mainly because they said, uh, this is like the thing with Libby, where they had her be in the same psychiatric hospital as Hurley, but then that storyline goes nowhere because she gets killed off. Like, Walt has The Shining, 
right? Like, that's the whole reason Shannon died was because she was convinced that Walt was out there and he was, like, astral projecting himself out to see her. But that's just not going to go anywhere. Like, I was deeply disappointed that they were just like, oh, yep, he was too much to handle. You guys can go home. Here's the boat. Like, I... That really frustrated me because I that that's such an interesting part of that character. And I just I feel like both these characters were done a disservice. And I hated that I had invested so much time in caring about them. What a great time for Desmond to show up with a sailboat. I mean, season finale is just a great time for this to happen. So the gang goes by land while Saeed with Jin and Son travel by sea to confront the others. Now, we really don't have any idea what happens to Saeed, Jin, and Sun. So, cliffhanger there. However, we do know what's happened to Jack, Sawyer, Kate, and Hurley. How did that make you feel? I mean, I I enjoyed season two, but... Season two to me definitely felt like a, oh, crap, we actually have to figure out where we're going with this story. And this finally felt, this move to where they're captured by the others because of Michael, it actually felt like we're starting to move the plot along. We're starting to get somewhere, even though we don't get much resolution in terms of who the others are. We just know that they are wearing disguises, right? Because Zeke pulls off his beard after Kate challenges him on it. We know that Henry Gale, whatever his actual name is, is in charge because he comes out at the end and he's giving orders. He lets Hurley go and tells him to go back to the Losties to tell them, don't come back to the side of the island for real this time. But it feels like maybe, maybe, maybe in the first part of the next season, we will finally get some more answers about who the others are. We also see Rousseau's daughter in more of a prominent role in this one. Like, we find out that she's actually been working with the others, but she seems very apologetic. She seems like she's trying to help them in what little ways that she can. So we still have all these mysteries, but it finally feels like maybe we'll start to find out what's going on when we actually see Jack, Kate, and Sawyer in captivity. There's also a little bit more of the teasing of that love triangle, because even though Kate and Sawyer have, like, professed their feelings for each other, she still look Kate still looks at Jack as the hoods are going over their heads and Sawyer is looking at Kate. So there is still kind of that development of those characters relationships here. Of course, Michael and Walt are just gone now. Uh, so frustrating. Bye-bye. Um this that along with the Michelle Rodriguez Sorry. and Cynthia Watros of it all. That, along with the Michelle Rodriguez and Cynthia Watros of it all, really, to me, is when the groundswell of you do know what you're doing, don't you, popped up. You know, because there was so much investment in this, right? And of course, you had the people who were like, they're dead. They're dead. They're all dead already. They're all dead already. Of which I was not one. I mean, but this is a place where there's really starting to be a lot of questions. You know, I hope these guys have it all figured out. I think Saeed is probably MVP of this episode. Because as he and Jin and Son are sailing around, we see 
the dismembered foot of what was probably at one time a giant statue, which on the one hand feels like a real Planet of the Apes reference. But Saeed says, what's more disturbing? The giant statue or that it has four toes? So Tessa, I ask you, which one is more disturbing? The four toes, for sure. For sure it's the four toes. Saeed is like, Saeed is hilarious in this season. Like, he had one of the most heartbreaking moments at the beginning of the season. But after that, it's just been comedy moment after comedy moment. Like, the sad Saeed. Like, when he, when they're, when Hurley and Charlie are playing the record and just like talking about their girl problems, and Saeed comes in and everybody's just like quiet. Like, it's just. Saeed is hilarious in this season, and and the sort of wry comment that he makes there is just perfect. His relationship with Jin and Sun also works really well. They all play off each other pretty well in this, especially Sun just being like, no, I'm coming. If he's going, then I'm coming, too. Saeed also, we get, he's the one who bursts into the village that Michael says that he found to find it all empty. He finds that the doors that Michael described go nowhere, so it was all a setup to begin with. So we don't we don't get much of where they are. They're sort of just this cliffhanger after the explosion. We don't know what's going on. They're just on the boat somewhere. I also I, I want to ask because you mentioned the pneumatic tube. So we actually do get some follow through on that in the finale. They discover that the pneumatic tube goes nowhere. It just goes to a spot where all the messages are dumped. It was an experiment within an experiment. What did you make of that? I mean, it's an experiment within an experiment. They were trying to see if the observers were being observed to see if they would actually do what they were told. Is that a thing? Is that like actual plot or is that plot contrivance? I mean, I think it's too early to tell if it's actual plot contrivance or not. We don't really know that much about the Dharma Initiative's motives right now. But I will say that the image of all of those pneumatic, like all of those notebooks inside the canisters just kind of sitting out there piled in the middle of the field, it's a pretty good visual. No matter where they go with it, it's a, it's a pretty good understanding, I think, of how much this island is designed in certain ways to experiment with people to get people to do certain things to manipulate people i think that that's a good representation whether they take that somewhere or not it's also incredibly funny like the scene where they all because none of the people who find them actually were privy to the information that Locke and echo found like they just find these pneumatic tubes out in the middle of nowhere but they don't know where they go whereas Locke would have been able to know which is People really need to start talking to each other more on this island. I think that that's another theme of this season is that nobody talks to each other. Yeah, they don't. They don't share information. Like it takes, it takes Kate like five episodes to share the information that she found that the others are wearing costumes. Locke doesn't tell Jack about the Pearl Station. Like, just talk to each other, guys. God, you think they they didn't want to survive on this island? And so I've I've kind of hinted at this, but this is where I, I think the end of season two, it builds during season two, but by the time you get to end of season two, this is where the real meta commentary, meta critique of the show 
really spins, starts to spin out of control, you know, because you cannot separate what's happening in the moment on the screen from what does it all mean? Do they know what they're doing? Is this a thing that's going to pay off? What is it? And one of the reasons that this, the end of season two, is where that begins to really start getting out of control is Desmond, right? So there are a couple of things happening here. The first one is we are treated to two, sorry, we're treated to a set of flashbacks for Desmond. One that is non-island related and one that is about his time on the island. Let's start with his time on the island. What does that do for you? What'd you make of that? Well, we get the reappearance of the army colonel. Do we have a name? We do. What's the name? I don't know. <laughs> we get a reappearance of the the colonel that taught Saeed how to torture or told him that the torturer was inside him the whole time or whatever. That feather to fly. Yeah. Uh, so he... He is randomly the other guy. So Desmond, when we got introduced to him, said that he had a partner originally who died. When it, a partner in pushing the button who died. We now know that this partner was the same person who we saw earlier in the Saeed flashbacks in Iraq. He does die at the end of this, but Desmond neglected to tell them that he killed him after discovering that he, he was basically training Desmond to take his place so he could steal Desmond's boat to get off the island. And there's all of this information we're given about the fact that he was obviously expecting a replacement. We don't really know why he's on the island. I expect we will find that out later. But we do know that he, like Desmond, doesn't know if the button is real or not, but is afraid to not push it. We also learned from him that there is a failsafe, something that you can do that ends the button routine, but he's too scared to try it because he doesn't know what will happen if he does it as well. So there's all this information that we get, but we also get Desmond. We really get the idea that Desmond has devolved. He just wants to get back home, but being stuck in that in the bunker and being stuck doing the same repetitive task over and over again, has really taken a toll on his sanity. We have now come to the part of the podcast where we can finally talk, and Tessa doesn't know this, about my OTP. Penny and Desmond are my OTP. They are the best. I love them. OTP. What do you think about my OTP? Specifically, the backstory that we get off the island. I mean, do I believe they belong together? I'm going to have to see more more interaction between the two of them before I can make that assumption. We do get the idea that she comes from a super wealthy family, that he was in prison, and her father tried to pay him off to stay away from her. We get that Perhaps her father framed him, and that's why he's in prison. That's kind of implied, but not really discussed. But we also get the idea that he has been training for this. So we, we knew before that he had been training for this boat, this, like, race around the world, running boat. I don't know. Something. Sailing around the world. It's not completely clear. 
we we get this set up and we find out that he's been doing it because he wants to beat her father or or take his her father's money to humiliate him to get his honor back or whatever which oh my god just <laughs> that to me was like the weirdest part of this whole thing like no just tell her you're alive and that you're there and that you love her and run away together or something like i don't i don't get it i personally don't get it maybe i don't understand this character enough but that's where we are because we get her coming back because she knows that he's still there and she says like it's not too late but he apparently thinks that it is. I do love, though, that in that scene, we get the other pers- perspective because we saw the same scene, but from Jack's perspective earlier in the season. And so now we get Desmond's perspective and we see Jack like starting his run in the in the bleachers. I thought that was really clever. I always love seeing scenes from multiple characters' perspectives. This was a really good use of that. And we also get to see Libby. She reappears in this episode because she, it turns out that she is actually the one who gave Desmond the boat. She had a husband who died and he had named the boat the Elizabeth after her. And so she bumps into Desmond and finds out that he's going on this race. And so she actually gifts the boat to him, which is a very strange thing to give to a complete stranger, but whatever. I this actually made me even more mad about Libby's death because I really wonder what they would have done if Desmond had shown up like he does and met Libby there. Like we've already seen that some of the characters have started to guess that there are more connections between them than they had previously thought, but nobody's really made that much of a direct connection besides Jack and Desmond. So the fact that they killed her off and completely wrote off this potential other storyline which involved the connections between Desmond and Libby is that frankly very frustrating. Those of you who have seen this series, you know when I say that just the emotional gut punch of Lost, the thing that happens, one of my favorite scenes, this is the start of what will eventually pay off. Oh, I love these two characters so much. But Penny has written a letter for Desmond. You remember the letter, Tessa? And, and she said to read it in his darkest moment. And he goes to prison in the flashback. It's out of prison. And she asks if he's read it yet. And he hasn't. But he gets to his lowest point here in this episode. And he reads the letter. I have the letter for you, Tessa. Dearest Des, I am writing this letter to you as you leave for prison. And I've hidden it in the one place you would turn to in a moment of great desperation, which is, of course, his copy of Dickens as our mutual friend. I know you go away with the weight of what happened on your shoulders, and I know that the only person who can ever take it off is you. Sorry to be so dramatic, but these are dramatic times, are they not? Please don't give up, Des, because all we really need to survive is someone who truly loves us. And you have her. I will wait for you. Always. I love you. Pen. And so, like, you know, I really enjoyed the first season of this show. And the second season was pretty good, too. But you want to talk about the moment where I, like, fell in love with the show and became completely obsessed with it? It's this. Because it's time to not push the button. It's time to end the experiment. And it turns out something does happen. It is a large electromagnetic... It is a large electromagnetic disturbance. Cut to a remote science station of some sort where two people are tasked with tracking something, which they missed the last time, 
and they almost missed this time. Turns out they're tracking whatever happens when you don't push the button. And then in the final reveal, their boss is none other than Penny, who has somehow figured out that these electromagnetic disturbances will lead her to Desmond because she never stopped looking for him. End of season. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Also, Charlie and Claire finally make out. Who cares? (laughs) Tessa, you're a jerk. Talk about my thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, the the Penny reveal was actually really good. I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting us to go off the island in a non-flashback moment. But yeah, it turns out she's been tracking these electromagnetic disturbances. There was, it turns out there was one, we find out in Desmond's flashback that he accidentally might have caused one earlier too, even though he entered the code and then pressed the button so it didn't completely do whatever it was supposed to do. He thinks that he's responsible for bringing the plane down because of that, which is an interesting twist. So yeah, I am very curious to know if next season we're going to get more interactions from people off the island and people on the island. If, you know, she's going to be looking for him, if we are going to get to see more of her as well, or if we're going to focus still more on the Losties. But yeah, we also don't know if Desmond is okay because he activates the failsafe, which we learned about from his flashbacks. He thinks he's going to die very clearly. He feels like he's going to sacrifice himself for Locke and the others. So yeah, we don't know. We don't know what's going on with Locke, Echo, or Desmond by the end of this. We just know that the electro- electromagnetic shockwave was released. The end of season two, which is where we are. Like, you know, there are some things that worked better than others. But this is where the show hits another gear. Season three's finale, Through the Looking Glass, takes it up a whole nother level. It goes up another gear at the end of season three. But we're not there yet. We're not too through the looking glass yet. So this is the end of season two. How do you feel about the show? I mean, I'm invested. I want to keep watching for sure. I'm, I'm like ready to get to the stuff. <laughs> All right. She's ready to get to the stuff. So that's it for today. Join us next time for more Tessa Watches Lost. We'll be talking about the dreaded pod of six episodes that make up the beginning of season three. But before we get to that, though, I'm going to hand over the role of this spinoff podcast to Tessa for the next few weeks. For Sam Watches Star Trek. We'll be talking about select episodes from season three of Star Trek, the original series. So tune in next week for that. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9, and you can find Tessa at Suela Tessa. Until next time, we got caught in a net. Oh, you mean actually caught in a net. <laughs>